Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And we're back in town this week after a couple weeks away. Specifically, we just got back from Big Sky Country, which someone tried to correct me the other day saying that. Yeah, because Wyoming is not Big Sky Country. That is fake news. I looked it up, I researched it, I checked it twice before I posted about it because I want to be right in all things. Goal. Be accurate. So Big Sky Country actually encompasses three states. Can you name them? Well, Montana, 100%. And? This is, the rest of this is George Soros-funded misinformation. <laughs> Not a chance. It's Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho make up the tri-state, also known as Big Sky Country. Ah, see, I first of all did not know that. I didn't either until I looked it up. But I wonder if that was like, Ted, you know, Ted Turner owns like 300,000 acres up there. So maybe Jane Fonda, do you know that he used to be married to Jane Fonda? Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe they changed it just to fit their liberal agenda so that Jackson <laughs> Hole could fit into the... Uh, because there are two cities, in uh, one in Idaho uh, and, and one in Wyoming, Jackson Hole, which is like like a, a progressive place where they've come to enjoy the benefits of the conservative voting. Um, and so maybe by, by that they've then pushed the, de- the definition of big sky. Because I'll say, having been to Montana and Wyoming, the sky is bigger in Montana. Yeah, is it because it's... There's, there's less mountains, so the horizon is is unabated when looking at the sky. I, I've wondered that, or if, like, the what is the opposite of concave? Convex. I wonder if it's the, if, if Montana is convex. <laughs> <laughs> because you, it's just crazy how far you can see. But then again, you can see that in Texas as well. Like, if you similar. Very similar. I remember days. Did you guys ever play? Was that festival out in Midland, Texas? Oh, man. If I remember this. Marcy Toll was the promoter. At, well, I, she made a lot of money for me. Um, but not enough to remember the name of her festival. We got rained off stage. Christian Rock Fest? Yeah. It was. No, no, no. It wasn't that. I don't remember. I just remember it was the middle of nowhere, Texas. And it was massive. And you, but you could see the thunderstorm coming a long time before it got there. And two, if not three times, Cutlass got, no, it was twice because the third time was a charm. Rock the desert. Of course, that would make sense. I had to Google it. I mean, I remember we were in water. It's me. So it's uh, the Cutlass bus, skillet, probably talk. I don't remember. We were like knee deep in water. Mm. It came in so fast. And there's a moment where I'm thinking, this is how a lot of people die because there's electric things everywhere. Oh, yeah. Not a good situation. But yeah, we got, so we got rained up. But, but point being, that's big sky country down there as well. Way bigger than my own because the mountains do tend to take away. Yeah, especially where we were, which was in a valley um, called Water Valley Ranch. And it's along a river between two mountains. And it's the, one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's actually more beautiful than where we've been in Montana. 
unbelievable. And so we, we got a chance to get away a little bit, do some some hiking, some fishing. Taken over by the Big Sky Industrial Complex. Yeah. Wandered into it was fun. I mean, it was a good it was a good few days. It was fun. Um you took me fly fishing, you took me on an adventure, an adventure hike. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not always one to do said things. No, but but once you're in. But once I'm in, I'm all in. I'm committed. Yep. And um <laughs> and so I'm learning to say yes to things. And so I said yes. I'm like, oh, where are we going? And you hauled my tail a mile and a half from camp through the, over literally over the mountains and through the woods. Um, which the guy with us, Jeremy, is is keeping an eye out. He was so nervous about mountain lions. He was a little jumpy for that, yeah. Which made me a little jumpy. Yeah. I just tried to ignore it. It's like you always say, like, if, you know, follow the, the, the expressions of the stewardess in the plane, like, if they're worried, then you should be worried. Yep. So I just kept my eyes on you. You were like, no big deal. Let's just keep rolling. So, um, so yeah, no mountain lions, didn't see any bears. It's useless to be worried about mountain lions, and, and here's why. By the time, for the most part, that you know that they're there, it's already too late. Well, that's not comforting. Well, I mean, but the point is, it's like, you know, you could win the lottery. This is like COVID statistics in reverse. Like, we <laughs> You know what I mean? We had, a, we had almost a 0% chance of being harmed by the Rona, and when you add that onto mountain lions, it's even like a fraction of a fraction of any chance of us getting harmed by. That's good. By Rona. So I'm, you know, I'm just doing the ROI on it math, doing the math. But, um, but yeah, by the time that, you know, if, if they're stalking you, you know, you don't, you won't know it. Yeah. They're, you know, it's not like a bear where they announce it ahead of time and then, you know, proceed to eat you alive. Now that said, would you rather be attacked by a bear or by a mountain lion? I just want it quick. What's the quickest? Well, have you ever watched a cat kill something in your yard? Do you see how they're they're just it's playful? Cr- oh, they're cruel, man. They're just swatting it, smacking it, clawing it, biting it. That doesn't feel like the greatest option. No, I, no. I just want it to be quick, swift, swift, yeah. quick. Yeah, because all Done. they're going to do is immobilize you, hold your head down with one claw, and then like eat your ch- leg like a chicken leg while you're alive. So you don't want a cat. These are terrible options. But we found our way down to a honey hole. Where I, I literally don't know what I'm doing. I've, I've, I have learned to fly fish once a year for the past three years. I would like to think I've developed muscle memory, <laughs> but not when you do something once a year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like pickleball. Like no. You're not you're doing that every week. Yeah, so I just follow directions and I threw the line out there and miraculously got a uh, a rainbow trout. And a hop on the hook. And a nice one. 13 inches, what we're calling it. Would it surprise you to know that I had planned that even before we got there? Like I, because you know, when there's 24 people, the, the only way to get any one-on-one time with anybody is actually to, is to, is to get go away. away. But I had, pl- but I didn't tell you ahead of time because I didn't want you thinking about it and, and you know, sure. stressing whatever. And so. So that night before, I thought, okay, I can tell them now because I probably should tell them the night before. Uh, yeah. Even though I, I will say I hesitated even on the night before. I, well, I didn't hear about it the night before. I heard about the morning okay. of. Well, so I told Jeremy the night before. So yeah, And he woke up that morning and said, hey, this is what we're doing. Okay. Like, oh, okay. 
so you didn't have a chance to, and even like having you take the waiters, like give, give you the impression that there was an option <laughs> until we got to the spot. Am I that complex? No, no, that was, I think that was really simple. Oh, okay, good. Like, I, I know the code, just, you know, <laughs> well, you, you let it, you, you release the information in stages. Yes. And, and I knew where, because I went the day before because I wanted to scout it out. And so I knew the spot, but I knew that, I mean, obviously the river was, it was terrifying even, you know, for, for anyone. Um, but trying to explain to you the spot, because you know where the spot was, there wasn't mm -hmm. that, there was no danger there you just wander into it but but you know but i didn't want to give anybody you know give you the chance to, to like get, get stressed about nothing yeah, um, it was awesome so it was great and you hold a hog out yeah i'm like yeah baby. it was fun i didn't pull a hog out so it was a it was a rainbow trout speaking of rainbows this is my segue <laughs> yeah if i recall you you were celebrating pride month <laughs> pulling out a rainbow trout speaking of rainbows that's one way to celebrate yeah our last podcast, we talked about, you know, how to kind of navigate Pride Month through the month of June. And here we are halfway through it. And um, the the resistance, the the pushback, the blowback, however you want to describe it, depending on what side we're on, there has been uh, some ground taken back, per se, um, pushing back against corporations that are thrusting this upon us. And... When we had last spoken about this two to three weeks ago, we had mentioned that, you know, the Target, quote unquote, boycott and how they were kind of pushing, not kind of, they are pushing an agenda with their clothing and a clothing line and setting those up at the front of the store. And, and obviously, conservative America has pushed back against that um, to the tune of $15.7 billion in losses in just three weeks. Well, I guess technically now would be four weeks. Um, that's a remarkable figure. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's there. It's a 52 as of yesterday, it was a 52 week low in their stocks. It's fallen off a cliff. What would you attribute that to this year or say over last year? Cause like, like for instance, target, that's not the first rodeo for them on pride month. But what, what do you think has changed in the air? Great question. Um, maybe critical mass at this point. Critical mass of conservative ideology pushing back together at the same time, finally drawing a line in the sand. Um, and, you know, Target hasn't been the only one to, to, to push this really heavily over the past month. And I think, so I think it's a culmination of things. I think that the Bud Light... Terrible marketing move. It's got to be, it has to go down as one of the worst lack of read the room marketing moves ever for a brand. <laughs> ever. Um, and so, you know, Anheuser-Busch, they're down $27 billion over the past two months. I mean, that's a, say and that again, how much? $27 billion. 27 with a B billion dollars that they have lost in market share. And as of today, they officially have lost their top spot in the U.S. beer market. Wow. They are no longer number one. Bud Light itself was the number one beer in the U.S. It has been for decades. No longer. It is now Modelo. 
Wait, what? Yeah, isn't that crazy? I don't know that that's better. Yeah, well, I'm right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, ironically, they're owned by the same company, but... Yeah, fair enough. But, you know, as a for a brand, they've felt the consequence of of a marketing move to push an ideological agenda onto a product, to a product base. It's failed miserably. Just those two corporations alone, those two brands alone, you're looking at... You know, forty-two billion dollars in losses in about six weeks, which is an astronomical amount. Yeah, of I don't money. think people realize how much money that is. I've wondered if the tipping point is—I mean, how many times has it trended on Twitter in just the last few months that the LGB without the T, um, that. That the, that the transgender ideology is so counter science, counter reality, that it is allowed for a pushback that you, because I, I, I don't think there's more people that are uncomfortable with it. I just think there's more people that are willing to just be done with it. Like we're so done. And when it comes to males, biological males competing in a female sport, which it seems like there is no sport left untouched, including rugby at this point. And you listen to, uh, what's the spokesperson for, uh, for, for Biden? I can never remember her name. Bless her heart. I don't know. Yeah. It's three. It's a three namer. She got three names. Um, you know, someone was asking her about specifically the biological, what would you say to your daughter? And, and she turns that into a, uh, that's a violence against trans, you know, a real whatever. It was just, and of course she, she has to stumble over her words because at some point in her heart of hearts, she knows that this is biologically not like, this is an unscientific answer, but you know, the only thing that she can do is now insult the person who asked the question as opposed to actually answer the question. But I, I've wondered if that's part of it. I just, it just, it seems like uh, on the one hand, there's the, the obvious, you know, the corporate elite, whatever, who have all buy-in with some level of a transgender ideology. But I got to, the rest of the country is not buying into that. Like that's, now in that said, just, you know, taking it back to the 80s, this is what it felt like in the 80s with uh, gay and lesbian in general. Like, this, this is what it felt like in the even into the 90s, where this is too, you know, I mean, look, Barack Obama won his presidency in 2008, and part of his campaign was that a marriage is between a man and a woman. That is not that long ago. You know, the liberal icon of icons. So this is not a controversial idea until like five minutes ago. Well, including, did you see John Hopkins released a new definition? John Hopkins University released a LGBTQ glossary for definitions of these things yesterday, this week. Oh no. And so they define lesbian, they define gay man. And it's bonkers. What do, do you know what the definition is? Yeah, I have it right here. So lesbian is now defined as a non-man attracted to non-men. They've excluded the word woman. It's like they're skirting around the 
what is a woman by just defaulting by eliminating it the word to a lesbian is a non-man attracted to non-men while past definitions refer to lesbian as a woman who is emotionally romantically and or sexually attracted to other women this updated definition includes non-binary people who may also identify with the so they effectively eliminate a woman from 100% completely. This is the new working definition for lesbian, a non-man attracted to non-men. But they didn't change the definition of gay man. Gay man is a man who is emotionally, romantically, sexually, affectionately, or relationally attracted to other men or who identifies as a member of the gay community at times gay quote unquote is used to refer to all people regardless of gender who have their primary sexual and or romantic attractions to people of the same gender gay is an adjective not a noun that's that's what they put in the definition so no wonder liberal feminists especially are cuz they literally are erasing womanhood yeah exactly so, across the board. Fascinating. It is. It's, it's an incredibly interesting <laughs> development uh, propagated by John Hopkins University. I mean, and as I, re if you, if you, you and I both recall, their work in COVID was so bad <laughs> that this should not surprise us at all that they have sold out long ago to narrative over fact. Wild. With it. So, I wonder if that's part of it, that there is a reality that exists that the vast majority of Americans, the, va the vast majority of the world, not even Americans, you talk to people in Africa about this and they are so befuddled. You know, they're like, how did that even come into your mind? How is that even possible? <laughs> One of my guys over there, he goes, uh, but it's not a woman, he has a penis. <laughs> you can't be a woman if you have a penis. <laughs> like, well, that's true, he does. But it, it's so self-evident as to be madness, you know, I mean, this is a biblical idea of what lawlessness really is, which is there are no law, you know, there's no law. And, you know, it, it, the pit of hell, which is where this, these ideas are born of lawlessness, you know, eventually, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't, it only takes a minority of people to control a narrative because they just have to be powerful. They don't have to be popular. Um, but it, when you see that, you got to think at some point, shareholders, you got to think that uh, people who are, you know, still in it for the money have got to look at that and say, this is actually really terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, a couple other examples and we'll move on. But, you yes, know, major, we could talk for this for hours. Yeah. Major League <laughs> Baseball, um, they, they have, they have taken away all of the pride jerseys that they were going to have available this year for the month of June. Um, each team has their own pride jersey that they were going to wear at a game or a home series. Not anymore. Under a new MLB directive, players won't wear rainbow-themed caps or uniform patches. They have pulled those back. Across all of Major League Baseball. Yeah. Now, are, the they, are they getting blowback from like the CNNs of the world for that? Like is MLB oh, of course. being, you know, called out for... Yeah. Yeah, but man, it's 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 a it's a small minority. Um, <laughs> they call them woke tears, I guess. But 
they're 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 feeling the impact. These organizations, these corporations are feeling feeling the impact um, of of this, and they're pulling way back. It came out this week. There's still some um, some more information that needs to be maybe ciphered through, but for the most part, it seems as if Starbucks is also pulling back the ability to for each store to decorate for Pride Month. They have been instructed through the union, through the workers' union, to pull back their uh, Pride displays in stores. Starbucks. Starbucks. Uh-huh. Now, they have... Starbucks has came out and denied this claim, but the union's workers organization released um, evidence and documents and statements um, from individual managers that are basically saying under the table, they're being instructed to take down um, decorations in stores. Well, I wish Southwest Airlines would follow suit. They might. When we were walking through the airport. All that. um, And I guess, I don't know. It's like a, you know, woe to you who call good evil and evil good moment because in any other context, pride comes before fall. Pride is a sin. Like it's actually, uh, it's, it's very obviously biblical, but what are the things that they say about guys like Donald Trump? You know, it's pride. It's, you know, hubris. It's, you know, it's, it's self-evident that pride is a harmful, it's harmful to humans. And so to declare an entire month of that we are proud of, uh, of our sin, proud of our identity, whatever the pride is in, um, it's harmful to our, to our society, harmful to us. And, uh, I don't know, like, is, like, I wonder, like, did Babylon have pride day? You know, did it like, at what point in ancient civilizations does the tipping point happen where it's a regular part of, of life where it's, and, and maybe, you know, I'm asking this out loud because I really have been pondering this. Like, what, what's causing parents right now, it's the first time that I'm aware of, to rise up against their schools for Pride Day celebrations? There's uh, Los Angeles, North Hollywood. There's multiple public schools. Which, first question I have is, they're still going to school in June? You, you got to get out of that school system if, you know, if they're trying to squeeze you all the way into June. But... But parents speaking up on behalf of it, the indoctrination, because if you think back, so even like when, when uh, President Obama ran marriage between a man and a woman and, uh, and then the, I, the quest for gay marriage, which do you remember? It was actually Biden. It was a gaffe that, by, that forced Obama's hands um, to legalize gay marriage. But then it was, but we just want, we just want rights and we, you know, just leave us alone. We just want to have the right to be happy. And that's 100% what I, I, I'm sure a good portion, a good many of them uh, in that world thought and, and wanted. But but the, the general narrative is no longer just leave us alone. Uh, we want to live our lives. It's no, celebrate us and our lives. And if you don't celebrate us, you're not sufficiently uh, pro-gay enough now, which is an immeasurable idea of being pro enough of something. And I'm just, you know, a point where I just don't want my kids being lectured through, you know, and, and it's it's not just public schools, it's it's social media platforms, it's, 
you know, not just TikTok, every, every social media platform, uh, every, every big tech company, the ideology is there. And so it's the narrative is being literally um, pumped into our kids' minds. And if, if we can't as a church speak up for, for what we think is moral, for what we, what we know is moral, you know, what does it say to the world that we're being quiet about something that everyone else is being loud about? Um, it's funny, it leads a little bit into what John 15 is taking us into, which is that the, they hated me first. So don't be surprised when, when you are hated because, you know, Jesus came. I mean, obviously that's what John the Baptist, when he was executed, it was, he was calling out the immorality of, of Herod and his, his niece and, uh, the debauchery of that and, you know, got his head cut off for it because it goes on in John 15 to say that the world hates you because you do not belong to the world. And the idea being that this is what the world's ideology is. And if you don't belong in that, then you are, you know, it's tribalism on a global scale. You spoke of, you know, you spoke in John 15 this week. I am the vine. You are the branches so much there to dissect. You also tied in Galatians five twenty two, fruit of the spirit, and all of those, how all those different. What we've maybe been taught as fruits of the spirit is actually a fruit of the spirit, fruit being love, and then all of those other things defining what love. Yeah, that might have been the first time some folks have heard that. Yeah, conceivably, I mean, especially if you grew up in, in church and learned about the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and, and, you know, look, if uh, if that's correct, it's like if, if I'm right or that's wrong, whatever, it's still the same thing. You know, you're going to love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, you know, those are all, you know, ex- but, but it does say singular, even in the Greek, this is a singular, the, the fruit of the Spirit is... Which is then again love. defined in First Corinthians. Yeah, First Corinthians 13. 13. Love is patient, love is kind. It's the same list. And so, it, it, which by the way means, I th- think, and I didn't get to get into this on Sunday, but if that's the case, then as we grow in our faith, then we're going to grow in all of those things. Like I can fake kindness for a while or I can fake long suffering or I can will it into existence but the, the transformation of the Holy Spirit is that all of those things are growing at the same time inside of me in the same way that the, the experience of love would be growing, you know, right? So it's uh, the experience of an apple. It's, um, it gets sweeter as it gets more ripe, you know, it gets firmer as it gets more ripe. But the point is, is it all, it's all growing concurrently, not, you know, not just one. So just the sweetness. In proportion and scale. Yeah. So if all you've got is kindness, but you're not, you know, long suffering, and we, we know that because uh, there's a lot of people that are really uh, nice in public. And when they get home, they're, they're just a nightmare, which means that that's not a fruit of the spirit. That is just something that they have learned as a behavior to get to get ahead in life or mm. to manage their lives. But the fruit of the spirit would say that all of those things are growing at the same time inside of me. And, you know, it doesn't say that fruit of the spirit is fear or anxiety mm-hmm. or one of the things you, you mentioned as well as to not be silent. Yeah. During these times, um, I, I had lunch with a guy this week who was just talking about, I was asking him about what's, what does he want to do with his gifting and you know, where does he see himself and, you know, and 
and also kind of overlapping, like, you know, where, where are you politically? <laughs> it just, I was curious. I'm just, man, I, I really want to keep the two separate. I just want to, I just want to preach the gospel. That's all I want to do is teach, which I appreciate, but he was really trying to silo completely the idea of being involved in any capacity to anything culturally or politically. Interesting. Did you get to press into that at all? Like, would he consider abortion or would he consider, uh, well, sexuality for that matter? Like, what, does he does he consider those political issues or moral issues? That was the question. That was the exact question. And while he would agree that, yes, those are, those are moral issues, he's just... I just, I just, I just want to preach the gospel, man. Like that, you can't separate those two. And furthermore, as a shepherd, you, you sometimes you got to step into the pen and defend the wolves. And you know, I did give the example how how you and other pastors, you know, spoke up at city city hall or last month. The importance of that, and that's not like. That's not what we lead with, but when the time comes, that's what you go and do. Yeah, because do I leave the only narrative? Like, let's say we, you know, for the sake of conversation, we believe that the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Do I then allow the rest of the world to speak a narrative and then just be silent. Like it feels like on paper, even that doesn't sound like a good idea. Like it just, did he say what, what the, I'm sure he probably didn't, but why, why would he not want to? Cause I just want to preach the gospel, preach the gospel. Is he trying to, is he saying that if I speak this other then I can't preach the gospel? I just, I just think there's a naivety there a little bit just to, you know, wanting to, maybe not wanting, not having the answers or wanting to avoid conflict. And it's just this idea of, man, it's, let's just, it's, 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 it's this idea and this goal that's not even, not even really achievable. I just want to, I just want to preach the gospel. Like it just sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. Like I just want to teach well, it sounds others. amazing, right? It sounds very noble. But it's, it's really short-sighted because the bigger picture involves all of these things. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I don't want to split hairs or anything, but the the gospel is that man is hopelessly evil, that our hearts are wicked. We are separated from God, and through the substitutionary atonement of Christ, we are then brought back to. My point is, is that the gospel is that there is wickedness in this world. That's the gospel. You know, it isn't just that Jesus died. He didn't die as a good example, though it was an example. He didn't die as, uh, because he loved us, even though he did, he died because he, that was the only way to save us. That's the gospel. And humankind historically, uh, hates that idea that I need a savior is at the core of most people's hatred of of, of Christianity in general is that I need a savior. And I don't know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's sad, especially if it's a pastor, because if you're not saying something, but the, if you're not addressing something that the entire world is addressing, you are addressing it. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, 
the whole world is talking about this, but on Sunday, we're not mentioning it at all. We're saying a lot. Our silence is deafening with it. And then we're leaving it to the world to disciple our, our, our people, to disciple God's people if we're not. And I think it's a really um, good distinction. I think it's a really good reminder for, you know, perhaps segment of our listeners that they want to stay away or steer clear of politics. Um, and you know, they just compartmentalize the two as, you know, this is my faith and this is happening over here. While that would be convenient and nice to do, like that would be, that would be easy, easier. not think about that, but man, it's, it's just not, it's just not true. So for, for those that, that do want to embrace both simultaneously. It's like they're not mutually exclusive, I guess is my point. Like right. We, we, need, we need one to inform the other because culture is for sure part pairing them together. They are. And At an early age. And globally speaking, like for instance, when we set slaves free in Asia, with that lens, that is a political problem because it's a legal it is legal in their country to be enslaved. So for me to speak out against it, is that political or is that a human rights thing? Is that, is it moral or is it political? And the answer is it's moral. And to sweep everything under the auspices of, of politics is, I don't know, it's, it's a little convenient. Um, I don't want to say cowardice because I don't know that there's probably some cowardice in it. I do think you said the word naivete, which also is it's pejorative, but there's that, that feels like more of it to me that there is a, a, a naivete of that's just not my job. It's, it's, it's I, I don't know whose job it is in that, in that metaphor. Um, but it's not my job. My job is to preach the word, you know, it, it's convenient, but Maybe there's the misunderstanding in this, uh, of a lot of my friends I know there's a misunderstanding of, if you define a pastor as someone whose only job is to teach or a, what is it, an IFB, to proclaim the gospel, I can't remember what your words were in, the, in your little world that you grew up in, but there's, there's, there's buzzwords in each one, but you know, that the sermon is like the most important part of the week and that, you know, that if, if, if that's the lens by which you define a pastor, I can see how somebody gets to that conclusion. I just... I just don't conclude with my look at scripture, the definition of a pastor, the definition of elder, whatever in scripture includes protection, feeding, um, guarding. There's a whole lot of language around safety with it. And, and, and so it's not that you aren't, I'm just preaching the gospel, meaning like I'm not doing anything else. It's just that the gospel encompasses all of those things, including setting slaves free, including you know, like I said, we go into these places in Africa and we drill water wells. Now the government won't do that. So do we not say something about that because it's politically not expedient for us in that country? It's, it's bull crap. And, and so, but if we, so reverse engineering that back into our own culture and thinking about it logically, of course we should speak up in those situations. You just to kind of backtrack just a little bit. We, you titled John 15. Three main points, cleaned, connected, called. I'm getting um, good at the alliteration. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, I mean, that's three points. It All you have to do is add a poem and, and we're good. I, I, I suck at the poems. Maybe you could send me a list of your <laughs> poems. Here's what, I, I, here's what I know about Baptists. 
So the first time I ever bought like a nice car, I bought a Lexus. Um, it was late model, whatever. But I got into it, and, I, and I've joked about it, but it's like the, the only other people I ever saw driving it. So I went from a Jeep where everybody waved at me, all the Jeep waves, to a Lexus, and nobody's waving at you in a Lexus because the car I had was only driven by 81-year-old men or bleached blonde female real estate agents in their 60s from Brentwood. Um, but, but the point was that they all, I was laughing because I've got an old man car, but old people know what they're doing, man. Those are comfortable, comfortable rides. And I can't even remember why I was talking about that. <laughs> Where was I going with that? Your Lexus. I know, but it was like, there's something about the comfort. Oh, because old people know what they're doing. Yeah. And old people know what they're doing when they're preaching. The three C's. It's because I can, if you notice, I haven't been using notes lately because you don't have to use notes if you've got the, the three things. And I know that I, I literally can, it's just enough of a breadcrumb to get me back to the cabin if I get lost in the woods. You know who else is helpful for? Audience. Do you think they, I still don't think they remember. No, I do. I do. I do think they remember. It at least helps follow a roadmap. Well, that's true. If you tell them what you're going to say, then say yeah. what you said you were going to say and then say what you just said, you know, at the end of the day, that's. That's preaching one-on-one, but the alliteration has been so helpful for me. <laughs> like I've, uh, if you'll notice if you're in the 930, I probably still have my notes up there cause I'm still just nervous enough. Like whether this, this, uh, Tesla can drive itself or not. Um, but by the second or third service, I'm, I don't need the notes anymore, but yeah, the, the alliteration is, so it's not that I'm trying to be clever. It's just that I'm trying not to be stupid. One of the things you brought up was kind of the purpose of grapes and, you you made a statement, you know, about, you know, if your if your love has been stepped all over, if if you have been stepped stepped all over, if your heart has been stepped all over, it's not being wasted because yeah. those grapes have been turned into wine. Well, Expound upon that a little bit. <laughs> well, when you think about the idea of fruit, it sounds so good on paper, like, like. Uh, I'm fruit, like I'm tasty, I'm sweet, I'm kind, I'm all those things. But then when you think about and just ask yourself the logical question, what is fruit for? It's to be eaten. Like if if I've just got a pile of fruit in the fridge and it just goes rotten because nobody ate it, then you've you've really not served the purpose of fruit. And so if my job is to be fruitful, part of what I have to expect is that someone's going to bite me. Someone is going to snap at me. Someone's going to walk on me. And specifically when it comes to grapes, and we'll, uh, you, it's really cool, the garden tomb where Jesus, uh, the most likely place where Jesus was buried is in the middle of a, where there's a wine press in the middle of it, which is such a perfect imagery. But the, the wine press is, uh, it sounds, you know, really, uh, you know, saccharine, but it's wine presses, people walked on them. And the minute, there was no way to store uh, fruit back then, so they literally would go right from the vine right into the wine press where they got stomped on. And, and I, don't know, I remember, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or not, but just the idea of here is Jesus saying your fruit. Here's Jesus talking about a vine. And implicit in that is you're going to get walked on. And then the very next verses are about getting walked on. They're yeah. gonna, they hated you. They're going to hate me. So don't be surprised by it. Don't be offended by it. It is what it is. And the idea of it being specifically grapes, because it's not like an apple orchard here. He's, he's talking about vine and he's talking about grapes. Um, that the idea being that we're going to put it out there 
and it's going to get chewed up. It's going to get walked on. And not only is it okay, it's actually what it's supposed to be. And the idea, going back to the Song of Solomon, is that the taste of the fruit is what is attractive to those outside of the world. So if you're rotten fruit or fake fruit, you know, nobody's, uh, nobody's attracted to you based upon your fakeness. But if there's an authentic Holy Spirit driven fruitfulness in our lives, that is attractive to, to the world around us. At least that's the idea that it's the sweetness of our fruit that will, will draw and and not everybody's going to do it. And if you, and if you don't, uh, if, if someone's going to walk on your love, the idea being that it's not wasted because it is being turned into wine. It is, there, there's another imagery of that in Smyrna. It's the only church in Revelation of the seven churches where Jesus has nothing bad to say about them at all. And Smyrna uh, is the word myrrh, which is this idea of, um, uh, it's, it's a type of perfume that is made in crushing. The only way that it is that the sweet scent is, is let out is if it's being crushed. And here's this church that was persecuted, but the sweet scent of their, uh, the idea of the sweet scent that goes, the aroma that comes out from that is that uh, goes before the throne of God. It creates, in other words, in something so bitter, it creates something sweet. That's the idea of fruit. And, and so instead of going victim on it, which is what the world would want us to do, because it's what the world does. You're being walked on, you're a victim, you're being oppressed, we need to overthrow the oppressor. Even the word press is in oppress. oppressor. In this world of the kingdom of God, uh, and it's not that Jesus is doing that just to punish us, he's doing it because it's just actually the best way to, it's just, it's love. And the fact that at the, uh, the end of our lives, that there is a celebration for you, for me. Well, I talked about Paul in Second Timothy 4, that uh, my life is being poured out as a drink offering, which is wine being poured out. That his life was literally a celebration to God, which is what he says here. Be fruitful. And by you being fruitful in John 15, you are, that is what brings glory, uh, brings glory to God. And, and if you think about it, we, we all know somebody in our lives. And if, if you're lucky, you are that somebody in someone's life who just has lived a life of, of the fruit of the spirit. And you think, man, I want to be more like them, not less like them. You know, I think of, um, I, th- I honestly think of Bob Goff. I mean, you know, some of his theology is a little, you know, a little squishy, but it's a guy that, you know, he just lives, uh, he lives with joy and love and peace and kindness and long suffering. And while simultaneously setting, you know, people free in Uganda through the court system, you know, it's, it's, those are not mutually exclusive ideas, but the sweetness of it is supposed to, be the aroma that attracts other people. And if all we're doing is being just as angry as the, uh, as anybody uh, on the outside world, then we're just literally using the same technique, the same demonic, I might add technique, and it doesn't attract, uh, anyone. And by the way, not good for your own emotional health, like not good for your own, like it's harmful to you. It's harmful to the world around you. It's harmful to the, uh, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man. Sour grapes. <laughs> How did I not? How did I not hang that low-hanging fruit? Oh, well, man. then that was the other line I thought you were going to go for <laughs> that you didn't, that I actually jotted down, is the phrase low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Well, now I've done it. This is why uh, we should do this ahead of the sermon, so that way by the time I get to it on Sunday, you got all the zingers. I've worked it all out, yeah. I'm working it out in real time on Sundays. Now, have you ever had an allergic reaction to... To wine or a, a, <laughs> grapes or 
I have not, and I, I think it's because my immune system was bolstered as a child because we were exposed to, I mean, everything, literally swimming in cow ponds. And Oh, my. Now, that said, uh, perhaps it's the city boy in you. You had a somewhat of a, a reaction to low-hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, Monday of our trip, we we arrived on Monday afternoon in Wyoming, and uh, someone by eve. So we were, I mean, we arrived by five o'clock, and we have dinner. And someone has prepared you a beverage and put some agave in it, which uh, you found tasty or not tasty. It was okay. I had a sip, so it must not have been great then. Like one sip is what you have of cough syrup, which. If I'm being honest, it wasn't that much different than cough syrup. It was a little different than cough syrup. <laughs> so, I mean, without the vi- <laughs> without the visual, it's hard to explain what happened. Well, I think you could get a visual for him. But over the course of the next essentially 12 hours after sipping said fruit drink, <laughs> um, may or may not have had um, some wine. In it, I don't even know what was in it. For me, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. They they, they had a, a vat with a kettle, and they were stirring it outside like a witch's thing. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Or not. Within 12 hours, my face had blown up like a blowfish. I had the largest allergic reaction I've ever had, and honestly, I've only had one other time. The only other time I've ever had an allergic reaction to anything in my life was on another trip with you. Yeah, that's on me. In Haiti. And it was so bad this last week, this last Monday, that I had to, I had to take a trip to the ER in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. I am laughing because it was, it was so cute, <laughs> but also, Awful. like, I was nervous for you because it was pretty dramatic. Like, when you pulled your hands away from your mouth, I tried everything in me to not give you the reaction that I wanted to give, which was, well, candidly, it was a reaction that Jason, Jason Kuhn gave, which is sl- a slack-jawed, open mouth, OMG, like, oh, like it was exactly the look you didn't need from somebody <laughs> in that moment. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty shock sure. and terror. And- my lips and, and, and my cheeks were, I don't know, Five times larger than normal. It, it looked like a Kardashian butt <laughs> on your face. <laughs> okay. It was uh, it was alarming, and we're off the grid. We're in the middle of nowhere, um, <laughs> which was also not helpful. And so we eventually found that there was a brand new emergency room that was, had been built and had opened a week earlier. It's as, it's as if they built it for me, that it was just waiting for me to come to town. In Saratoga, Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. You wonder if they use COVID funds for that. So anyways, after an IV of several medicines later, things calmed down. But uh, so they, <laughs> the, the fermented you, dude, you looked, drinks. You looked like... So there are women in Hollywood who inject things into their lips, who paid enormous amounts of money and get the same exact result that you had (laughs) 
which on the one hand is like, okay, maybe those women needed uh, someone to have a real honest talk with them about that's really, you got that's a little too far. And on the other hand, going, man, or you just drink a little more agave in your diet. You Terrible. don't have to pay all that money for what? What are they injecting into that? Is that, is that I don't Botox? Know. I don't know. I don't want to know. It was Motox, I wanna, man. There it is. <laughs> they Motox display. There it is. It took me a minute. Well, there, there, there is uh, picture evidence of this, and um, depending on our relationship of those that may ask to see them, will determine whether or not I want to actually. But. It was an eventful week, um, to say the least. Um, so anyways, all this talk of fermented grapes um, reminded me of where I was a week ago. Hey, but you know what? That's your, there, there, that's, maybe there's the segue to make this somehow spiritual as we're wrapping up, which is uh, you eat bad fruit, you get bad results. There you go. Yeah. And if you are bad fruit, you get fat lips, man. <laughs> you need to shut yourself up. <laughs> Which Mo talking with these lips, that was how you knew it was trouble, man, because it literally sounded, you sounded like you had fat lips. You're like, can you get some terrible. help? This week, you're continuing into the end of 15? Yep. John 15. We, I think we're a month away. I think we're 11 months in. We are 11 months in. On our Believe series, John. So we're getting there. And this week will be the end of chapter 15. How many chapters are in the book of John? 21. We're not as far along as I want. But it doesn't matter because it's a verse at a time, a chapter at a time, a passage at a time. What is waiting for us at the end of 15 here? We touched on it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if, if he hated you, they're going to, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And then he goes back to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, in those last few verses. And the Holy Spirit's job is to be the advocate in persecution. Like um, the Holy Spirit is going to be the witness that he's going to speak and you're going to speak. Like the Holy Spirit's job is to speak and my job is to speak. Um, and by the way, when he talks about being a witness, he uses a word martyria, which is where we get our word martyr from. Which again, implicit in that is that there are consequences for speaking truth. And... And it's a weird uh, apologetic for me in that if the world genuinely hates something that is good and kind and long-suffering and patient, that there must be something deeper than the world out there that is hating it. That, you know what I mean? If it's, if, if the, and this is true, like, you know, we were just in Nepal, the, the radical Hindus and the radical uh, Muslims hate each other, but you know who they hate the most are Christians. You know, we're out there building schools, we're drilling wells, we're, you know, but so even there, there's a madness to it, which to me speaks of a, a demonic nature of it. And it doesn't mean that these are demon demons, these people are demons. It just means that they're hostages of the demonic. And, it's, you know, and in a war, you don't shoot the hostages. So it helps a little bit to, to, to reframe it. But the idea being that the, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to give us the power. So we can't go out there and white knuckle in persecution and, ex and expect to, to do this. We have to have the Holy Spirit. And he and it specifically says that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts 2, says the power of the Holy, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you might be my witnesses. And that's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give us the power to be his witnesses uh, in a world that is going to be diametrically opposed to it. And that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday. So in these... In these villages that you're at, whether it's Nepal or Uganda, are you saying that there aren't, there are not Buddhist organizations that are building schools and clinics? Uh, none that I've seen. I, I've never, uh, 
I, I look, and I know that there are atheists that are, you know, working humanitarian organizations. I do know they're out there, but I have been in major disaster areas from Indonesia to Haiti to Mississippi. And the matching t-shirts, man, for the Christian organizations <laughs> are everywhere, everywhere. And it's easy to, I mean, this week the Southern Baptists are doing their convention. And of course, everybody's tweeting about how evil these, uh, these people are. And, you know, every organization has its bad and it's good and all that. But man, that IMB, the International Mission Board, those people are warriors when, when bad happens. A Samaritan's Purse, people like lambast Franklin Graham. But man, you know, we were, there's wildfires unfolding right now in Canada. And I promise you the first and only people you're going to see up there are Christians. And it's Samaritan's Purse is going to be the first, first responders in there. And, and they're hated for it. Uh, do you remember like uh, Franklin Graham, they set up an, an entire hospital in Central Park in April of 2020. And what was he uh, thanked with? Uh, that he's a homophobe and that he uh, completely false accusations point being that there's an apologetic to that that when you see somebody doing something so kind and so good and so long suffering and so all those things and you are hated for it that's madness and so the only response you could really think is okay, there's, a, there's a source of this madness which is the world that we're in the, the world cannot receive you because you do not belong to the world and which simply put is you are a threat to the world to the world system to the, you know, the prince of the power of the air, to Satan himself. So, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by that, that we're going to be hated for that. And the sooner you can get over that, the easier it is. Because I think sometimes, I, I don't know, my response early on to some of that was it kind of hurt my feelings. And because it was surprise, you know, your expectations are like, man, I'm like, oh, I'm the, it's just ask my mom. I'm a nice guy. Um, so the sooner you get over that and realize, okay, they don't really hate me. They hate Jesus in me. It's a whole different way to frame it. And it's a whole, and again, the Holy Spirit gives you the power then to stand up within it and to eventually just, you know, disabuse yourself of the notion that I'm going to win some popularity contest in, in this world. Um, because that's, I'm literally trying to win a race. You know, I'm, I'm 50 yards back in a hundred yard dash. There's an, I'm never going to win that. I wasn't meant to win that because this world is not set up for that. Good. This Sunday, we're going to continue that conversation. If you have, if you have time, pull out your Bible, read all of chapter 15, give you a full context. If of you don't have time to read John 15, you need to reassess your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you got time. The wonderful chapter will give you the entire context of what we spoke about this last week, this podcast, and this next week. And maybe you missed the teaching from Sunday. You can always go back and listen here on the podcast or just go watch. You can watch the service. You can catch up maybe some of the, the worship that was shared as well. You can go to our YouTube channel, just search Conduit Church, pull up the feed from there. Or if you want to join us live stream, you can do that at 11 a.m. We have three services, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. each and every Sunday. Hope to see you soon.